Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast with Steve Allen and Michael Butner on SEN Track through the day. Hey, the first grand final is underway. Gary, good morning to you and this is an under-16 female game. Yes, certainly is. We've got Gosford uh, the entrance, com- a combined side taking on Wyong in the uh, ladies under-16, so it uh, should be a good game. Uh, 13-8, Gosford the entrance won the major semi, so uh, a bit of work to be done by Wyong, but we're here for the semi-finals. I'm really looking forward to the grand finals today. Yeah, and the noise level will go up another notch. It's unlike any other game that you will play in your junior career I used to say to our kids, you know, just stay focused. There'll be lots of screaming from the grandstands. How about you? Yeah, look, I think I have to agree with you more. Grand finals tend to do that, and you get a lot of parents in that here and a lot of supporters, and and we're just seeing it right now. There's an attack on goal by the the Wyong side, but it looks so exciting for for all the players. They they play all year to get in this position, and uh, good luck to all the participants today. Yeah, Gosford in the red caps, Wyong in the blue, and there's just been a kick out, so that means a player will spend some time out of the water, almost like a mini sim bin, but it only goes for around about 20 seconds. So it's a six-on-five opportunity here. Maybe a chance for Wyong to open the scoring. And they're passing the ball around the mushroom. Beautiful shot came in, but there was a Gosford player got a hand to it, and so it hit the woodwork. So still no score in the under-16 girls' grand final. What a start to round four of the competition. Absolutely amazing. Can you believe the game between Parramatta and Penrith on Thursday night? No, I certainly can't. We seem to say this every week about how good we say week after week it's better than last week. And I think we're, we certainly started that way in round four. And you mentioned the Penrith-Parramatta game. How good was that? What a great finish with Parramatta 0-3 into the game. Everything on the line and and then you see Nathan Cleary kick a two-point field goal in the last minute and Parramatta heads would have been down saying, what have we done? What have we done to deserve this? But they held their nerve and the $6 million man certainly earned some cash on, yeah. uh, on Thursday night. Well, we spoke about that on our show and we did the hypothetical, where would you go? And he stayed loyal to Parramatta. There's a guy who was there on Thursday night, Parramatta legend. We'll go to him in just a few moments' time, but let's relive a couple of the key moments. Matt's back at headquarters. Let's roll in, first of all, the Nathan Cleary unbelievable field goal from downtown. Here it is. Here we go, Cleary. He goes for the two-point field goal. Nathan Cleary, he's latched onto it. Cleary, Cleary, he has kicked one of the most remarkable two-point field goals. Champion pressure. Some eat it, some get eaten by it. And Nathan Cleary was hungry. Oh, Matt Gutherson's going, please miss, please miss. He actually caught it. But it went over the post. That was ridiculous. Unbelievable. i got hairs on the back of my neck and on my arms. Yeah, Joel Kane in commentary there on SEN, your home of sport. Uh, just incredible stuff. And then you thought that Penrith would get the job done. But I love how cool and calm and collected the $6 million man was. Here's Mitchell Moses with the match winner late in the game. So can he get himself in position here? Moses is there now. 
Here's Moses now set for the kick. This is the last for Parramatta. They're 15 metres out. Ball goes back. Mitch Moses. Mitch Moses kicks it. Million dollar Moses. There's a million reasons why they've backed him in. And Parramatta now have their first win of the season. They had to go the long road. It was a long old road. It was a great kick from Cleary. But Moses has taken them to their first win against the team who gave them so much pain in the grand final. Parramatta 17, defeat the Panthers 16. Yeah, there we go. What a moment. And what I loved about that field goal was when you saw the shots of Mitchell Moses calling for the footy, he looked like he could have been down the local park. And that's what you want from your superstars, don't you? So they're really cool in that moment. Yeah, when the game's there on the line, someone's got to take control and look like they're in, in they're in charge. And he certainly did that. It was just there was, there was no opportunity for for anyone to charge it down. He was there, just give me the ball. I've got this. And and he knew as soon as the, as soon as the ball hit the, hit the boot that it was going straight over. So a great win. I can't remember a season like it. Uh, we haven't even mentioned about the Battle of Brisbane, but the theatre last night in the Queensland capital. Hey, look who's showing up here. I can see on our phone box. Former match review committee chairman and Parramatta legend, the great Michael Butner. Good morning, mate. Good morning, boys. Uh, you and what an exciting game. I can hear uh, all the noise behind you there, the grand final for the water polo, which uh, sounds exciting for all those youngsters out there, but uh, well, not as exciting as the footy uh, or the rugby league action that we've seen over the last couple of nights. Uh, first of all, the Parramatta Reels getting the job done against the Panthers in extra time, and then, of course, the the uh, Battle of Brisbane last night, and what a game that was with both teams going hammer-thong, undefeated, going into that match, and uh, the Broncos prevailing to take it to 4-0, and uh, and the Dolphins having their first loss, but certainly not going down, uh, or certainly going down, but uh, certainly putting uh, a lot of other teams on notice, I think, that they are forced to be reckoned with. Yeah, and Butes, your team were almost 0-4. Like, what was the atmosphere like that night? It was... You know what, I've got to say, boys, you know, the stadium is fantastic, uh, Combank. The atmosphere was fantastic. Probably a little bit disappointing considering it was a grand final replay and there was only some 16,000 people there. I thought, uh, you know, you put that on a Sunday afternoon or a Friday night uh, and, you know, you're probably looking to double that crowd. Uh, So that was probably the disappointing part, the fact that it was on Thursday night. But I dare say the numbers when it comes to TV ratings would have been enormous. Uh, and the game didn't disappoint. Uh, and I heard that uh, the clip from Joel Kane there with uh, Nathan Cleary. What an amazing moment that was uh, to see the Iceman just as cool as a cucumber. It was the only option, uh, you know, when they got that penalty from Junior Paulo, it was the only option, and they kicked it out to 35 metres out, took the tap, passed it back to Cleary, and... He just did the rest from there, which was just phenomenal. And, uh, you know, to see him absolutely nail that kick, he would have done that a thousand times in practice. Uh, and it came to fruition for him and uh, absolutely nailed it. Unfortunately, not enough. I think they had the momentum going into that um, extra time period. But uh, Parramatta uh, got their first win, which was very much needed because you didn't want to be going into the Roosters uh, next week with a uh, 0-4 record. Hey, uh, Gary Birkinshaw's got the next question, but quarter time in this under-16 grand final, 
And like all grand finals, they're usually fairly tight. It's one all. Can you believe? Both teams have had numerous opportunities. One all at quarter time in the under-16 girls grand final of junior water polo. Gary. Yeah, g'day, Butch. How are you, mate? mate just Good, buddy. So, so the introduction of the two-point field goal, has there been a better innovation than that in recent times? Uh, look, I love the concept and idea behind it, just based on the fact that, you know what, it is, not only is it um, a big play, but it actually keeps teams in the game. Like, you know, you think about that situation on Thursday night, you know, outside of them putting up a Hail Mary, they'll never a chance of getting within uh, QE of, you know, tying that game up. But there was that one last ditch effort that they had all hope they had, and um, you know Nathan Clear was able to nail it. So I, I love the initiative. I think it's a great uh, introduction and a rule change, similar to the one that we've seen where you know the corner post is not uh, considered out anymore when uh, players are scoring a try. We've seen you know the spectacular tries that have been scored in the corners from wingers uh, over the last you know since that rule's been introduced. It is certainly spectacular and adds to the. Uh, the entertainment factor that is rugby league. Hey, Butes, the Battle of Brisbane. I mentioned earlier so much theatre in the Queensland capital last night. I just loved it. I tipped the Broncos, but when the Dolphins hit the front, I was on board. <laughs> Talk about a bandwagon. But, gee, they did it under some adversity to the Dolphins, so they've lost Sean O'Sullivan, and that's got to be the most painful injury. It's a peck injury. Looks like he could be out indefinitely. Give us your thoughts on the match and... It deserves some kind of spectacular finish, and we got it with a runaway try. I think in the end it was Katoni Staggs, and he was chased all the way by a couple of forwards, back rowers in particular, and Tom Gilbert, who played for Queensland last year. He's a Brisbane boy through and through. What a chase by him, but in the end, Broncos get it done, 4-0, 18-12. Yeah, look, you know, a great game, and probably... Uh, deservedly so, based on the fact that there was all this hype about it, both teams going in with a 3-0 record. Um, you know, the, the new boys on the block, um, the little brother, so to speak, of the Brisbane Broncos and the Red Cliffs Dolphins, they certainly stood up last night. And uh, like I said earlier, I think they have put a lot of teams on notice to suggest that they will be, um, you know, at the, I guess at the start of the year, there were many people suggesting that they would be uh, the favourites for the wooden spoon. Now, when, I'm not sure how that's going to play out for the rest of the year, but the start that they've had uh, and, you know, the the style of football that they're playing tells me that they're going to be a long way away from that uh, 17 spot on the ladder. And last night proved that because the Broncos, I think, will be, you know, one of the top four sides in the competition. And, uh, you know, the way they went about their business, both teams last night, it was an almighty arm wrestle. And... Uh, you know, plenty of action, uh, plenty of skill, uh, but also just that great finish, as you said, Steve, with Katoni Staggs, uh, picking up that ball on the try line and running the 100 metres, showed a lot of speed. And uh, I agree with it, you know, with Gilbert, the chase that he put in just shows the effort and commitment of this Dolphin side. And, and I guess, uh, you know, that um, Wayne Bennett um, influence when it comes to never giving up, no matter what the situation is. So, uh, these two teams are going to be there or thereabouts, I think, uh, at the back end of the season. Uh, and, you know, I couldn't imagine the Dolphins could have asked for a better start in their season than what they've had uh, with 50-odd thousand people selling out Suncorp Stadium last night.
Yeah, I was listening to Saturdays in the Gong on my way here, and I think their next opponent is St. George Illawarra next weekend for the Dolphins. Hey, boys, we're getting close to our first break this morning, but I just want to ask you this, both of you, before we go to the first break, have you got some thoughts, Buttes and Gary? I'll go to Gary first on Caelan Ponga and his trip to Canada. Like, how do you see this playing out? And for such an incredible talent, we saw what he's done at state of origin level, which is the highest level of our game. Do you feel like his career, like this could be it, depending on what happens in Canada? Yeah, I just find it interesting. I read with interest really about the trip to Canada. It's, I know you see people go overseas with soft tissue injuries and, and that type of thing, Latrell Mitchell and Tommy Trevojevic, but to go over there for a, for a concussion, to, I'm not sure... I'm not sure what they're going to come back with, given that it's a, a lot of these are impact. You know, concussions caused by impact, heavy hits or whatever. So, look, to be perfect, I hope, it's, hope it is a success because we need Quentin Pongia back playing. He's a, he's a fantastic player, one of the best players now, competition. And if his career has to be cut short because of concussion, well, that'd be, that'd be very, uh, very sad for rugby league. Certainly very, very disappointing, very sad for him as well. But his health is obviously paramount. But I'll be following this with great interest. Yeah, so I believe he's going to Vancouver. Butes, what have you heard and how do you think it'll pan out? Look, I, I, again, I agree with Berko. I'm, I'm trying to understand, you know, this is a, a recovery process for him. Um, and, and I'd be working more on his technique when it comes to what he's doing physically in relation to his tackling technique, how he's, you know, going into the tackles when he's running with the ball, etc. Uh, to try and avoid those type of incidents. Um, because ultimately, you know, he, this isn't his first... You know, he's had several cases of this. And um, uh, if there's technology over there that can, you know, show as to why he is suffering uh, as many concussions as he is, then I think it's well worth the, the, the adventure. But um, I'd be working on his technique and ensuring that because um, we certainly want him in our game. There's no doubt about that. Um, and he is one of the highest-paid players in the game. But we haven't seen a lot of him in action over the last few years, which is a real shame for not only Newcastle fans but rugby league fans because he is a, a prodigious talent and uh, certainly uh, a lot better on the field than he is off the field. Hey, Butes, can you stay with us for one more break this morning? We've got a few more questions that we want to pepper you with on this Saturday. you got it, boys. Happy to hang around. Michael Butner, uh, usual co-host on this show, but we haven't seen him for about five or six weeks. Hey, we might just get Valentine Holmes. Could you just check the scoreboard for us? Because we just had... Oh, we've had back-to-back goals by Wyong, including a penalty shot. So what have we got, Gary? What's our scoreline? 3-1. No, I think you might find it's 3-all now because we've had back-to-back goals and Valentine Holmes has confirmed it's three-all in this grand final. Absolute nail-biter. 18 past nine, off to a break. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil Projects. Robson means subdivisions, retirement villages, road, rail and bridges. That's local infrastructure for 60 years. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. Hope you're enjoying the weekend so far. Don't forget uh, the election weekend, Guru. Uh, Politics and sport should not mix, I'd say, but I did hear on the radio that maybe Chris Minns is favourite to uh, win the election this weekend. Uh, Good night, Dominic Perrottet, but that's, yeah, early days. Yeah, it is. A a lot could happen, and we've got uh, four... Uh, we've got four zones in our area. We're a massive political area. Yeah, we certainly are, and look, I... 
Yeah, the, the indications are that Minns is going to, to win the elections. That'll be a, a change of, of government. So we'll be interested to see what that does for the Central Coast if, uh, if the change does happen. You know, I did think about getting some local candidates on this morning, and the key question would be, what will you do for Central Coast sport? Yeah, that's right. It's, it's a big question. You know, we've... Um, I suppose... We, we, Central Coast Council's financial performance has been well scrutinised over a number of years now. We don't need to go on that this show, but sometimes when it goes to getting grant money or support from government for projects, it, I think sometimes the council's financial performance probably comes into that a little bit and a little bit hesitant to give grant funding to an organisation that probably hasn't handled its, its funding all that well in the past. Jeez, so. uh, you said that very diplomatically. Let's go back to Buttes. Michael, uh, tonight... What a game this will be. It's the Rabbitohs up against the Sea Eagles, but more importantly, there'll be special tributes all night long. I believe Scott Sattler and his family will be there. They're dedicating the match to the number 13. I think in the 13th minute, there'll be a moment where the fans can be involved with applause. Did you have much to do with Johnny in your time? Uh, look, I, I was fortunate enough to play with Scott at the West Tigers there uh, and only met John on the one occasion. Uh, a very humble man, but obviously he's reputation uh, goes way before him in relation to how tough he was as a player uh, and what he was able to do on the field and you know, none bigger than what he did in the 1970 grand final by uh, playing with a broken jaw which you know just is staggering for me to even think about or consider uh, someone having the ability to do that but you know just an indication of how tough he was and wasn't a big man in stature but certainly left his mark on the game and uh, will be sorely missed uh, and, you know, obviously my condolences go out to the, the Sattler family, family and, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I hope they do the tribute well and I'm sure they will um, because the man certainly deserves it. He is such an ornament to the game uh, and softly spoken, but, uh, like I said, left a big, big mark on the game of rugby league. Yeah, Buttes, uh, in my role hosting the RLPA Awards, there was one night where I was actually seated beside Johnny. And I sent Scott a message this week and I was you know, really surprised that he came back with a thank you. And I was just pinching myself. I could not believe that I was sitting beside the great Johnny Sattler and just so humble. But what a legend of our game. One of the greatest players of all time. What are your thoughts? Yeah, oh, yeah no doubt about it, mate. You know, again, you can talk about you know, immortality and uh, all those things. But, you know, his, his contribution to the game was... Phenomenal, and uh, you know, like I said, he wasn't a big man, but gee, he could certainly pack a punch when it comes to you know all-round toughness. And you know, the game's a lot different to, to when it was back in the 70s and uh, 80s. But um, he was a player, I have no doubt, who would have uh, held his own in any generation or any uh, year in terms of playing rugby league. And uh, um, yeah, a, a big, big loss for the game. Did you see, there was a photo, I think, this week that was circulating, and it was of Johnny Sattler, Bob McCarthy, and Eric Sims. Two of them had a pair of footy boots on, and the other was running in bare feet, and it was in Redfin. What stood out for me was Johnny Sattler just looked like an absolute weapon. Like, what a specimen he was. But I wonder if you saw that black and white photo. I I didn't see the photo, but I did hear a story uh, on SCN earlier this week about Bob McCarthy talking about, you know, he rocked up to a game and uh, Johnny Sattler had his arm in a sling, oh, sorry, in a car, uh, and he got a pair of scissors and was cutting it off um, and played the game with a broken wrist. And then 
went back to the hospital after the game and got in a cast again. And uh, again, there's a guy who, you know, didn't have any boundaries when it comes to pain uh, and would just do whatever it took to get on the field. And, you know, again, there's another amazing story when you think about the 1970 grand final with the broken jaw. um, And he basically, that happened in the early part of the game. He basically just had to clinch his teeth, put his mouth guard in and make sure that he could get through that game. And he did that um, and did it well to get the victory as well. Yeah, and you know, they were the halcyon days for South Sydney. It was also a period where teams went back-to-back. So Rabbitohs go back-to-back in 70 and 71. Then you've got Manly who win in 72 and 73. And then the Roosters or Easts do it in 74 and 75, including the 38-0 win against St George. And that's where Graham Langlands wears the white boots. But it's a... The halcyon days of a footy club, a bygone era, and one that we reflect on so beautifully. And Butes, I'm glad you mentioned about the tributes on SEN because I listened on, I think it was Tuesday afternoon, and there was some really beautiful interviews. Matt Rogers joined the team, Joel Kane in the afternoon, and I think SEN did it so well this week. Mate, we'll let you go to the AGM. I know it's rapidly approaching, and uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Good on you, boys. Have a great show, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, it sounds good. Michael Butner, our regular co-host, who's been missing in action. Speaking of tributes, let's go back to headquarters. Matt's got a special tribute for Johnny Sattler that we'll play now. Sattler steps through openings in St George Ruck with a powerful run. John Sattler played with South Sydney from 1963 to 1972. Dummying, Sattler sends a scoop through a narrow gap, and he's over. Sattler is always prepared to lead the way in the heavyweight. Sattler spearheads a south raid up the centre. He had a huge impact on the club, captaining them to four premiership wins between 1967 and 1971. He passes over to Sattler, the JJ Gilton and Shield, as South Sydney adds to its rugby league glory. The most famous being in 1970, when he played 75 minutes of the game with a broken jaw. Teammate Bob McCarthy witnessed Sattler's toughness and courage. And John Bucknell was a very tall fella, and he chased Sattler and he smashed him in the jaw. He's punched him downwards and smashed his jaw and ripped everything apart. And when Sats got up, I looked at him, I said, you all right, mate? And he, uh, he went to see, he said something, he mumbled something, and I saw his mouth was all there was teeth here and teeth missing and blood everywhere and, and Manly knew he had a broken jaw and they smashed the crap out of him but he just kept going forward. But sets that on the field, I mean, tough bloke. When they made that guy, they threw away, threw away the mould. Tough man. Sattler also achieved the landmark of captaining Australia for three out of four tests. Robson Civil Projects. Robson means subdivisions, retirement villages, road, rail and bridges. That's local infrastructure for 60 years. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. Welcome back to PLC, Peninsula Leisure Centre. And we have got a thriller for the first grand final of the day. 6-5, Gosford lead over Wyong in the under-16 ladies. Yeah, just gone to three-quarter time too. So this has been a cracking game. It's ebbed and flowed all the time and some uh, some good attacking play, but certainly some good defence by the goalkeepers as well. So one quarter to go. Could go either way. Can you just give me their track record? What happened last time they played? So the, these two played the major semi-final last time we were here, and uh, the Gosford the Entrance team won 13-8. But over the course of the year, Gosford the Entrance 6-4 head-to-head 
this year. So, um, so they've been pretty, pretty tight contests. Yeah, can't wait to see what unfolds here. This is followed by the under-16 boys. Then we've got an under-12 grand final, which is mixed. Then we've got L3, ladies three and men's three later on this afternoon. And during the week, the senior teams will play their grand finals. So Gosford are the reigning champions in both the men's and women's first grade division. Hey, let's talk some more rugby league right now. Really looking forward to these next couple of interviews. Can you believe round one of the Denton Cup is the mighty Wyong Roos at Maury Breen up against the entrance. So local derby. We've got both coaches joining us this morning. Firstly, Mitch Williams, who's on the line. Minnie, good morning, mate. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Hey, mate. Thanks for having me. Uh, firstly, can you believe this match-up in round one of the competition? Your arch rivals. But first, can I just ask you about the pre-season, some of the new players that have come to the Wyong Roos, and what your expectations are for 2023? Yeah, for sure. Obviously, uh, kick things off in November. Obviously, a pretty hot summer this year, um, which is probably a huge difference to the rain last year, but uh, a really good level. Um, speaking to the boys, we probably kicked it up a notch knowing the competition standard that we had to face last year. A couple of new faces. Uh, we've got Ryan Walsh in the halves. Uh, we really we lacked a bit of direction around in the halves after Terence's injury last year, so... Uh, really hoping for a big season from him and, and a young outside back named Lathan Hutchison Walters. Um, and expecting him to have a really promising season. Is there anyone making a debut or some kind of milestone in the game today? Uh, I think there'll be I think there'll be four players on like club debut, but I don't think any milestones today unless I've missed them already. But I'm not quite yet. So, Mitch, Gary, Birkinshaw, mate, uh, congratulations on the year ahead. Finished mid table last year. So when you did your review last year and heading into pre-season, did you, did you identify that to get to match the size of the top, it needed to be personnel, structure changes, or was it just a matter of fact that we just need to turn those close losses into wins? So what did you really identify? Yeah, I would say it was a combination of all those things, Gary. We lost, we lost five games by less than a try last year. Uh, I identified the one of the half and... You know, I'm going to put the responsibility on him to, to help us ice a lot of those games and turn those close losses into into wins. Uh, I wanted to strengthen the outside backs a little, and I've done that as well. Uh, probably changed up a little bit of how we're going to play uh, this year. Uh, so looking forward to, to seeing if that comes to fruition today. Mitch, you probably know a lot about their team, but they do have a, a marquee player, a star recruit. <laughs> Tell us more about David Fafita. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's great for the club. I was, I was talking to Forbes, I think it's, it's great for the entrance to sign him. You know, the buzz around uh, Central Coast footy with such an experienced player signing with, you know, a club and giving his experience back to the, you know, to a lower level than what he's played is is pretty special. Um, it's a big man. It's a big man. He's going to look to do some damage today. So uh, we'll need to be our best to, to handle him. But we also know that for all the damage he does, he's not the only player on the field. They've got, you know, they've got some very good players uh, outside him. Mitch, round one is always exciting, but it's also a big big weekend for the club this weekend as well. I believe you, you've got the 1982 first grade side, uh, their premiership side, having a reunion, and I believe it's also the 50th anniversary from the opening of the, the Leagues Club. Yeah, they, they had the special dinner last night uh, for the 50 years of the Licensed Club, which, um, you know, to see where the club is now and what they've done is, is remarkable. Um, so, yeah, a pretty special weekend. Um, obviously, you know, to kick things off with the entrance of Wong is always a, a good game as well, so... Uh, yeah, should be looking for a good day. Hopefully a big crowd there to watch both the teams. 
Hey, Mitch, uh, just a few moments ago, we had a, a beautiful tribute to Johnny Sattler on SEN. And yep. he played at Curry. He's in their team of the century, along with Mark Hughes. In fact, that's one of the greatest teams of the century you would ever see. I think there's about four or five internationals. Have you got some thoughts on the passing of Johnny Sattler? Yeah, obviously, you know, watching watching the highlights and, you know, obviously I think probably most memorable is that broken jaw in the grand final and, and what he did. And um, obviously coming from Curry, um, you know, you don't expect much less than anything as tough as that. But um, a wonderful story, uh, a wonderful footballer. And I think um, probably personifies a lot of the courage that it takes to, to roll up the sleeves every week and play. Yeah, speaking of Curry, they've got uh, Maitland. So another derby uh, in round one of the competition. <laughs> Uh, your thoughts, Maitland last year, they pretty much won by the length of the straight. Do you see them as just the out-and-out team to beat? Yeah, I think I think Matty Lancer is a great coach. I think he, he signed the boys to a few years' uh, contracts when he first went there. And I think that continuity and that they've kept the same squad together. They've been relatively good with injuries to key players. And, um, yeah, they've got a really good team. Uh, obviously, the entrance managed to beat them last year, which showed that they, they can be beaten. But... Um, yeah, they were a fair bit in front last year. The, you know, the score on the grand final probably suggested that, and what they did the next two weeks in the Presidents Cup probably suggested that they're the best team in the state. You know, at, at this level of competition. Yeah, Mitch, uh, congratulations! Also being named captain of the, the Central Coast side that played in the country championship recently. How has your form been leading into the season? Uh, yeah, obviously that was a really tough game. Uh, tough side. You know, we'll probably win that grand final tomorrow. I'd say by a couple. So. Um, Really good to have a hit out. Uh, a lot of us minor players got a really good game there. Uh, feeling really good. This season's been good. Body's still feeling good. So uh, just looking forward to starting another season. Obviously, you know, after all the work that you do in pre-season, the one thing you want to do is play, and, and we get that chance today. Hey, Mitch, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. What happens between now and kickoff, mate? Uh, I bet uh, after all these years, the nerves would still be there on you know, opening day of the competition. Yeah, I think opening day, I think almost more the coaching nerves than, than the playing nerves are uh, I definitely know I can handle myself but it's, it's have we done the right work have we put everything in place that we want to do and I guess I look more at that and uh, but now my coaching uh, waits a little bit because I chase my toddler around until kickoff usually so <laughs> it's a little bit different now yeah it's perfect game day preparation good on you mate good luck to the ruse we'll, we'll talk to Jamie Forbes it. in a moment so you might get some intel off him uh, the master yeah, coach coming up the game plan yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your time, mate, and uh, good luck this afternoon. Appreciate it. Mitch Williams joining us, uh, superstar player and also coach of the Wyong Roos, their Denton Cup side. They'll take on the entrance later on this afternoon at Murray Breen Oval, 3 o'clock kickoff. Yeah, it should be. It's a big day there as well because they're also playing Wulgulga in the uh, in the first grade side and also their league tag side. They're playing for the, the Roos Foundation Cup. So big day at Wyong today. Hey, we are level here in the under-16 grand final. Uh, Valentine Holmes, could you just check the scoreboard? I, I think it's seven all, and I'm just trying to work out what's happened here. I wonder if wonder if this could be a period of extra time or they stop the game momentarily. So we'll try to find out for you. But Gosford in possession at the moment. Seven all in a nail-biter in the first grand final of the day. Off to a break. We talk to the master coach, Jamie Forbes, after this. Robson Civil Projects. Robson means subdivisions, retirement villages, road, rail and bridges. That's local infrastructure for 60 years. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track.
Yeah, good morning. Welcome back to PLC, Peninsula Leisure Centre. We've just seen the finish of a thrilling under-16 girls grand final. The Wyong coaches here. Michael, congratulations. What an epic clash. You, you put your nose in front. Rosie Stimson coming over to congratulate you and her sister Ellie. What a game. Yeah, it's, look, it's really good. The girls, like all year, have been phenomenal and we've been head-to-head -head with Gosford most of the year. So it's always been a toss-of-the-coin job between us and them, so it's really nice to come out on top today. You've played some great water polo. Could you uh, just name some names? Uh, some of the balls into centre forward were beautiful. Yeah, look, Sienna Christensen had a really good game today. She's had a great year all year. Um, I've never seen a girl her age be able to turn the way she does, so it's really impressive. Abby Holmes also phenomenal today, uh, and Evie as well, obviously our swimmer, but she's a lot more than that. She's got good ball skills, uh, and she scored a bag of goals today as well. So, look, it's a good year. Really happy, good stuff for the club. Great way to start the day. Yeah, I love it, Michael. And uh, great to see Wyong building the way they are through their junior girls. Can I just tell our listeners, though, so you put your nose in front at 8-7. You've got to hold on for around about 30 seconds. There's a turnover. There's a shot. And the shot from Gosford hits the woodwork. Looked like it was going in the top corner. Yeah, look, um, the shot came from Harley, who's an, an amazing player. She's been dominant in this comp all year. Um, as much as I'm happy to get the win, I'm also disappointed for those girls at Gosford because they've done a great job. Finished on top of the ladder. Um, and like I said, been sort of 50-50 with us. Um, but they've probably had the wood on us this year. But great group of girls. I'll tell you what, this under-16 Central Coast water polo, all the teams are brilliant, mate. Um, the coaching's done well. It's been played in really good spirits. Um, and it's been a, been a great year. So hey, I think you're about to be thrown in the pool or maybe a Gatorade shower. Well done, mate. Congratulations. Well done, Wyong. What a win. What a way to start grand final day, Gary. Yes, and the, the coach is about to go for a swim. Yeah, look, that was a fantastic <laughs> game. Songs off, everything, yeah. Yeah, mobile phone out, yeah. and he's about to be dunked, yeah. and that just happened right in front of us. This is Saturdays on the Coast, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and also Whitey's Right Price Tyres. Uh, let's go to our next guest. I like to call him the master coach. He's the Jack Gibson of local rugby league. Jamie Forbes, good morning, mate. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Uh, good morning, Steve. Mate, uh, it doesn't get much better for round one of the competition. Looks like it's rivalry round or derby round. And you take on the old foe, Wyong, later on this afternoon. Your trial form's been outstanding. I believe you won three from three. Tell us more. Yeah, mate. Um, just getting back to kicking off against Wyong, mate. It probably worked out. Um, really well. Uh, Newcastle are playing in the final of the uh, the Country Cup this afternoon, so they decided to reschedule it. And because we're not part of that Newcastle representative teams, uh, we got to kick off against each other, mate. So it worked out well for both clubs, I think. Um, as you mentioned, there's plenty of rivalry with it, rivalry there, but um, hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get the chalkies this afternoon, mate. Um, as for our trial form, we uh, we certainly. Yeah, we did have three from three. I, I, I didn't take too much out of the game against Sassnock. It was just uh, both teams mixed it up with a, with a mixture of reserves, to, uh, reserves first and Denton Cup players. It was more about getting uh, some miles in the legs. And then, uh, mate, we went to Sydney and played Wentworthville. And, uh, yeah, we really, we pretty much blew them out of the water. Um, it was uh, very impressive. The third game, mate, not so much. We, we just stuck over the top of the new boys, um, Nelson's Bay or Northern Hawks. And, uh, Three from three, it's a good start. Jamie, Gary Birkinshaw here, mate. Uh, looking forward to the season, like you. 
finished mid-table last year. So when you sat down and did the review last year and looked look towards this season, did you identify that you, you needed to improve your personnel or was it team structures you had to do or was it just a matter of, oh, we just need to win some of those close, some of those close losses we had, we need to turn those around? Probably all three, guys. It was, um, mate, we, we really got tested to depth last year, I think. I think it was actually round two V, um, well, last year. I think we had nine, nine dead and cup players out, which, mate, in turn, it affects the rest of the club, you know. We've, we've obviously got to take 18 players with us every weekend, and it certainly, certainly doesn't help our, uh, the grades below us. We, we had to do some things different as well as a coach from the coaching side of things. Um, you know, it, it doesn't matter how many times times you tell the boys that it's a really tough competition week in, week out. You know, they, they had to experience it for themselves. And um, I think now they respect that fact that, you know, you need to turn up each week to, to get the points. Forbesy, I was lucky enough to host your presentation night. And one of the key points that came out of that night was that the Tigers, at their best, can beat anyone in this competition, which you did. You beat both teams that made the grand final. That must give you great confidence leading into this season. And then, when we add to the mix that you signed a superstar, David Fafida, the team must be full of confidence. Yeah, oh, mate, I think uh, I think that word you used there, Steve, has nailed it on the head, mate. Yeah, you know, we were right in pretty much. The majority of the games last year, we got blown out of the water by the teams that we actually beat as well a couple of times. So that consistency wasn't there. But I think just having a guy like Dave around, mate, the boys, when he's on the field, he he he, uh, he certainly helps each and every one of us. Just uh, just knowing that he's there, I think a couple of the, a couple of the older guys have found some new wings and um, certainly playing good footage throughout the trial. So, uh, mate, yeah, really excited for this afternoon to see what we dish up. So, Jamie, so with go back to Dave for feeder again. What attracted him to come to, to the entrance Tigers? It's a great coup to get. What no doubt he would have been approached by a lot of clubs around uh, around Australia. What made him actually come to the entrance? Mate, he's he's living locally now. He's uh, his family settled on uh, settled on the coast, and he's he's got a really good job in um, on the coast as well, mate. So that that played a major part. Obviously, you know. A, He's not adverse to travelling, of course, but, um, mate, being local and settled, I think he's he's really happy. I notice you've named an outstanding young man, your lock forward, Ryan Doherty, is captain of the Entrance Tigers, and you've got a former captain coming off the bench, Matt Killick. Tell us about some of the leaders at your footy club. Yeah, mate, well, we like most clubs, I think, these days, Steve, we have, we've got a leadership group. Um, Matty's still our club captain, and... Um, yeah, just a great all-round guy, great, great speaker, great leader. Um, we're just looking for something a little bit different this year. I think Doe is the type of guy that, um, yeah, all the players that play with him certainly and even against him, mate, they respect him. He's uh, he's a nice guy. He's um, he leads by example, and uh, that was something we, we certainly were looking for. In the NRL, like on Thursday night, for example, Parramatta versus Penrith, there's so much talk about the number ones with both teams and what superstars they are of our game. What about this mouth-watering matchup this afternoon? If it is, like we're seeing on paper at the moment, Grant Nelson from the Entrance Tigers up against Luke Sharp. Now, that is worth the price of admission. 
Yeah, mate, they're very similar players, uh, Sharpie and, and Grant. They, uh, they're little pocket rockets, but they certainly uh, play well above their weight, mate, and uh, surprise many defenders of ours with their strengths. So, um, yeah, mate, that's uh, well, I'm sure many will be in the same boat, but we've certainly put a lot of focus on, on trying to shut him, him down and, and obviously many himself uh, for that matter. But, yeah, uh, that, that match-up, mate, it certainly gets the mouth watering. Mate, who's the hidden gem you've got there? We know a lot about a lot of players, but who's someone there that we haven't heard of who you're expecting a big season from? Mate, we've signed a, uh, a young bloke down from um, up near the border, Joey Besgrave. He's a hooker. He's working up at the, uh, the sports store now at Carryong, so he's uh, he's getting to know plenty of the, the younger, younger footballers around the coast. But, mate, he's just a really competitive guy, great bloke. I think uh, everyone loves playing with him. I don't like. I don't know too many that like playing against him. He's got a, got a little bit of niggle in his game, which is good, mate. And um, he certainly he certainly plays tough. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see how he goes against Mitty. You know, probably arguably one of the best hookers the coast ever produced. Yeah, Mitch Williams came on a few moments ago. He wanted a couple of things. He wanted your game plan when you came on, uh, but he also <laughs> <laughs> he also spoke about Ryan Walsh. He's new five eight. Now, he'll go up against a man who has just been an absolute standout in Central Coast Rugby League and also played with the Newcastle Knights, Will Pearsall. Yeah, that, that's another mouth-watering match-up, mate. There's plenty across the park today. It's, um, I, I, mate, Walsh is a really handy pick-up for those guys. Um, and I know Will's up to, to any challenge, you know. He, he, he likes that. That's one thing he, he's certainly looking forward to, um, getting... A chance to play against any good seven as a seven or six is a, a great opportunity for him. He, he's certainly not adverse to it. But um, mate, as for many wanting our game plan, we'll just you can bring him back and let him know we'll be trying to shut him and Walshy down and uh, and Sharpie down, and that's about it. <laughs> hey, uh, what are your expectations this year? So last year you finished mid-table, and for such a proud club, just give us some of the goals at the start of the season for the Entrance Tigers. Mate, I think. Uh, you know, going, what hurt us last year missing the semis, we, we saw it, obviously consistency was one of the, the most important things, but mate, losing at home, we, we lost quite a few at home. A lot of them really close ones too, and that hurt us. So I'll be looking to turn that around, mate. I think if we can, as with any any uh, sporting organisation, if you can you can get the two points when, you, when you're when you at home, mate, you're halfway there and you snag a few away from home, it certainly helps um, yeah. getting you to play finals footy. Hey, Forbesy, such a pleasure to have you come on this morning and sharing some uh, insight as to how you guys will go about it this afternoon. It doesn't get much better on the Central Coast than when Wyong play the entrance. Two just powerhouse clubs. Good luck, mate, for the season ahead, and thanks for your time on Saturdays on the Coast. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate the support. Catch up soon, mate. The master coach, the Jack Gibson of local rugby league, Jamie Forbes, ahead of round one of the Denton Cup. Uh, I'll just get Valentine Holmes to check the scoreboard. The under-16 boys grand final, the Woi Woi Wombats are off to a flying start. They lead 3-0 against Gosford. So we're coming up toward the news. Gary, in our second hour, Amy Cunningham joining us. What a weekend of local cricket finals last week. Yeah, look, it was fantastic. Uh, the, the cricket season come to an end and uh, Amy was fantastic. She led her side to a, probably an upset win over a terrible match and really and what was a fantastic grand final and in the entrance, of course, they, they went through undefeated, but uh, but certainly had to work hard against Northern Power. Yeah, Amy coming up in a few moments. News next.
on SEN, your home of sport. Gary, you mentioned to me earlier, so we're live from PLC. We're watching the under-16 boys grand final. Uh, suddenly it's a little closer. I think it was 7-2 earlier. I think it might be 7-4 at the moment, but woy woy, they've got one hand on the trophy. Yeah, they certainly have. They, they got out to a real flyer. I think it was 6-1. Uh, and the Gosford are trying hard to come back, but the trouble is really with, with the way the game goes, they've really got to get two goals, haven't they, to everyone that... Um, uh, that um, the boy boy getting it. it's a hard to come back. Absolutely. The earlier game was the ladies under 16s or the girls under 16s. Just a thriller. Such a great way to start the day. And there was a real upset. Wyong winners against Gosford, eight goals to seven. We almost saw a beautiful goal there. It was going to be a backhander from number three for the boy boy side. Hey, uh, you asked me at the start of the show, have I seen a better field goal than Nathan Cleary on Thursday night? And I've been racking my brains. Now, there was one at Campbelltown. And I've found, I've found the video of it. It's Andrew Willis from way downtown at Campbelltown. That was in 1996. But in terms of the stakes, like what's at stake, I, I just feel like Nathan's the other day. And, and plus the fact that Regan Campbell-Gillard was about to do a charge down. So he actually had to move off his spot slightly to his right. And the way he connected... Didn't he give it some hang time as well? Yeah, I mean, you go down the local park and try to kick it 40 metres. Go yeah. down and do a drop punt. 40 metres is a big kick without doing a drop kick. That's right. And under the pressure as well. It's quite funny. You're watching Clint Gutherson. He's standing underneath the post, just there watching it, watching it, watching going, just praying that it falls short. But it's a great connection. We spoke about a two-point field goal. And I reckon, so we also asked you earlier, who would be the best exponents of that? And the three I've come up with is... Um, is Latrell Mitchell, Nathan Cleary, and Reynolds from the from the Broncos, Adam Reynolds. I and think. don't forget uh, Valentine Holmes from the Cowboys with yeah. the the wobbly field goal to down the Sharks in last year's final series. Hey, we've got a special guest joining us live from Merriweather Beach in Newcastle. His two boys have been absolutely sensational this week at Surfest, including 16-year-old Huey, Ian Vaughan. Good morning, mate. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. G'day, Steve. How are you doing, Actually, I'm in the car driving home. I've got Huey in the car with us as well. Yeah, we're well, mate. Uh, I can barely hear you at the moment, but we've got breaking news, and that is that both the Vaughan brothers have won their heats this morning. They're through to the quarterfinals. Tell us more. Yeah, so it was a pretty exciting morning. Uh, yeah, Huey uh, yeah, waited patiently, got his first wave, kicked off with a seven, and then backed it up at the back of the heat with a with a high five and and took out the heat. Yeah, it was uh, yeah pretty exciting. Uh, Huey's on a bit of a tear, and then Joel uh, started out sort of a little shaky, but uh, came back really strong at the end of the heat with a six five to actually win the heat. So uh, yeah, looking good. Hey. Ian, can you just tell us more about Huey? Because 16 years old yesterday was one of the great moments in surfing. He was chaired up the beach. Can you tell us about that? But also tell us about this morning too, because he's up against seasoned veterans, some of them who've been on the World Surfing Tour. Yeah, well, Hedgy yesterday, he's an ex-CT competitor, uh, 43 years old, Huey 16. He... Uh, yeah, Huey took it took it to the um, to all the competitors in that round of 32 uh, yesterday, and uh, Hedgie came away uh, 
being knocked and uh, fantastic sportsmanship from Nathan Hedge. Picked Huey up, put him on his shoulders, chaired him off the beach, um, you know, claiming this is the new, you know, this is the new wave of, of surfing and, and uh, yeah, fantastic from Hedgie. Um, you know, perfect piece of uh, sportsmanship that uh, well deserves um, some credit to Nathan. Morning, Gary Birkinshaw here. Mate, congratulations on, on both the boys so far. So, after a big performance yesterday by Huey, to then back up again today is a fantastic, fantastic performance, which probably indicates how, how level-headed he is. Yeah, we had a good chat on the way home yesterday, and he and Huey just basically said, you know what, I've got, I've got nothing to lose um, because I am 16, I'm only doing this for, for experience, and uh, and he just keeps on going through. So the the stress levels are, are definitely down, uh, and and it shows when he's in the water. Uh, today, uh, he you know his first four waves, he did four. He went to the air on four waves and landed every one of them, uh, which are, you know that sort of strike rate in in this this type of competition is uh, is yeah definitely where Huey's head is nice and level and and ready to go. Yeah, Ian, can you elaborate on that for our listeners who might not know the surfing terminology? So they're trying to take their sport to another level where everything is in the air. So what type of moves are they trying to do? I saw a video on Huey's Instagram where the other day in free surfing, so not in competition, he actually did a backflip above the lip, which is it's unbelievable for a, a surfer of my vintage. So tell us more about what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, that you're right. So the, for years and, and years, and it always will be uh, the rail game where the where the surfers put the their rail into into the the open face of the wave uh, and a high up into lift. That's what's always been accredited to big scores. Uh, but now over the last um, 20 years or so, they've they've gone above the lip. Uh, where they're doing airs, where they're going straight, or they're making rotations in the air. But now this this new level of surfing, where they're going upside down, is uh, is really spectacular, and that's where the where the new focus is. Uh, like Joel, for example, in a in a heat with uh, Dakota, he did uh, what they call like a corked uh, reverse. So he's he's upside down, but he's corkscrewing it, which is Super difficult to do in a heat, in waves that were like four to five feet. Uh, to land that uh, was was super impressive. So, uh, yeah, Joel is is really leading the way uh, in this qualifying series with regards to setting the standard, and uh, and Huey's just backing it up. Yeah, so we're seeing kind of what we see in snowboarding and mogul skiing where they hit a ramp and then they do like a double off axis 1080, for example. Hey, uh, Ian, tell us about Huey's next opponent, Alistair Reginato, who's been a fantastic young surfer as well. And I noticed that Joel, he keeps coming up some up against some Japanese surfers, not just here, but also in the Central Coast Pro, but he's drawn a Japanese surfer in the quarterfinals at Surfest. And I'm going to hit you with one more question here. Have two brothers ever made the quarterfinals at Surfest in its long and illustrious history? I've, I asked a few questions, uh, and I don't think there has been anyone in the Surfest uh, has like brothers have been into the into the world. Uh, yeah, and hopefully they can 
uh, keep on going and keep on surfing. Uh, and um, I'm not going to preempt that they're going to make the final, but it would be uh, it would be a dream run if it. Yeah, Ronnie. Uh, so with Joel, he's obviously in a in a good vein of form at the moment. He's had some really good results. What does he need to do now to really push his case to get on the uh, on the Challenger Series? Yeah, so, so Joel, Joel's focus has been uh, is to, to make the final. Uh, so that's that's he's not thinking about or, or wondering about where he may sit or his points and those type of things. His focus is totally to make the final. If he makes the final, he'll quali- re-qualify for the Challenger Series. Right, so, so, so he just needs to make the final to do that. Yep, and... Uh, and, and that's that's definitely uh, within his in his grasp uh, to to do that. Uh, as I said, I think Joel is setting the standard at the moment with, with on this qualifying series, uh, and he's just got to get out there and do it. And just back to Huey up against Alastair Reginato in heat two of the quarterfinals. Give us your preview of that one. You know what, Alistair is like he's a he's a really nice young guy. Like in the heat that they had yesterday. Uh, he's, he's actually said to Huey, don't sit here with me, get up there and sit on Hedgie and make sure that uh, you know, he doesn't get another wave. So the competitive spirit is really good between everyone, but it's also uh, they like to help each other out as well. Um, Alistair has got a really good uh, rail game and into the lift, so he's got potential to be able to get some really big scores on an open face wave. Uh, and he also has a really good backside air as well. So uh, Huey, you know, he's, he's going to have to, you know, really come to a new standard, uh, set a new, uh, some new goals for himself tomorrow to be able to get through that heat. Um, so, yeah, we'll just sit down prior to the heat, uh, go through a, a few plans, and, and um, hopefully the plans will come off and he'll... Um, He'll get through, but it's, it's a definitely a tough heat for, for Huey. Yeah, well, Ian, uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, just delighted for you and for the boys. And I know it hasn't been an easy period for the Vaughan family. Our thoughts are all with you. We all love you guys. And uh, well done to Huey. What a little star he is. He's a cult hero. And also Joel, who's just smashing it. Two brothers through to the quarterfinals at Surfest. Thanks for your time, mate. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Thanks, Gary. That's uh, been a pleasure talking to you guys this morning. Ian Vaughan joining us, uh, the father, the uh, the patriarch of the Vaughan family, and he's a great athlete in his own right. He played professional football uh, or soccer back yeah. in the day uh, and a uh, great surfer as well, great waterman. He's been a lifeguard throughout his career. We're off to uh, the news right now. We'll come back. We've got Burko's top three coming up. Steve-O's Sports Person of the Week is also on the way. We still haven't spoken too much about the AFL. Troy Luff is in town later on today for the Bombers for their season launch. So he'll be doing some Q&A talking about you know, some of the grand finals he played in and also some of the legendary players that he played with and against. We haven't spoken about the lights going out at the Gabba, the home of the 2032 Olympics. We'll do all that in a few moments' time. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN.
Yeah, good morning. We're live from the Junior Water Polo Grand Finals at PLC. Gary, you enjoying it, mate, watching uh, the junior talent? Oh, I love it. I was here two weeks ago for, we were here, sorry, for the major semi-finals and I oh, look fantastic today and yeah, really enjoy it. I'm not, not a great uh, knowledgeable person in relation to water polo. But, um, but certainly enjoying the, the last couple of times we've been here. Yeah, so this next game, it's Wyong who've already won a grand final today. And congratulations to their club because like most junior clubs on the coast, they went through some periods where you know, player attention was really difficult. And they won the under-16s earlier and now they've got a chance here in the under-12 mixed. They'll take on the Woi Woi mixed team. And you can see the difference in players. Like some have a real growth spurt by the time they're under 12. And then others are pint-sized. Yeah. Which, I'll throw this back to you, Steve. So does the, the size of the athlete make a big difference in water polo? Well, I think at one stage they looked at... So let's say the women's teams that won medals at the Olympic Games... If you put them all on the scales, and you don't want to put women on the scales, but there was a stat that came out that the three heaviest teams won medals at the Olympics. So size does matter. Uh, and wingspan, uh, leg strength. Like, if you look at the prototype coming out, like the men's game, like those uh, the best countries in the world are Croatia and Serbia. Uh, Hungary, I think they won three world championships in a row. They are huge absolutely enormous so i think the prototype for men is you know six four six five or bigger and then some real size so if you have a talk to people around water polo some of our best players could be rugby union players or rugby league players if you could get them to come and try water polo yeah like if you're a big presence because it's so dominated by a center forward game yeah so the and yeah matt's back in the studio he loves basketball very similar so you're moving the ball around a mushroom or around the D. You're trying to get it to someone big inside to do some real damage. And in this game, you get ejections. So quite often, you've got a six-on-five opportunity. And, so, and swimming? The swimming component of it? Well, once upon a time, and this is decades ago, like if you spoke to people around the Australian team, every swimmer would be around a 55 or faster for 100. So that is absolutely motoring. A lot of people wouldn't go sub one minute. Mm. So you you need speed, but it's swim and wrestle. Yeah. And it's serious wrestling because, you know, you might be wrestling with someone who's over 100 kilos. So, no, it's an awesome sport, and uh, it's been great to watch the skills at this junior level. That's the other thing. If you look at the Europeans compared to the Australians, now we just had a really disappointing world league. Their skill level, their skill level is just so far superior. Yeah, in the Mediterranean, they've got water polo goals like we've got footy fields. Yeah. So, yeah, they live and breathe it over there and, and proofs in the pudding. Yeah. Hey, let's get to, I don't know whether Matt's got it back at headquarters, but it's called Butes' Top 3. We do have an intro for it. Let's see if, Matt, let's see if Matty's got it. Butes' Top 3. <laughs> That's the version that was supposed to hit the cutting room floor. Butes' Love uh, it. Butes' top three, done by Gary Birkinshaw. What have we got? Right out. We're going to start with Matt Graham. Uh, Matt obviously got uh, another bronze, back-to-back bronze in Kazakhstan um, to end the World Cup. So he had five podium finishes during the year. Come fourth overall in, in the in the moguls, second in the moguls, and, and fifth in the uh, in the jewel. 
So fantastic there. So obviously the highlight was winning the gold at Deer Valley. Number two, the Australian cricket team. They've actually, <laughs> after being hammered after the first two tests, they actually turned their tour around. From that moment on, they won the test series 1-0 and then just recently won the one-day series 2-1. So full credit to them to turn the whole year, the whole uh, tour around. Yeah, Imagine, name, name some names. Who played Who played well? Well, the two standouts, or three standouts in the one-day were, were Mitch Marsh thrown in to open the batting. It was just dynamic at the top. Will uh, you ever see Warner back at opener? No. Should, should never see Warner back as opener in any short did, form. Did he come in at four? Four, batted four. Not sure there's a spot for David Warner now in our short form cricket anymore. Mitchell Stark showed that he is one of the best fast bowlers in, in white ball cricket I think that we've ever seen. That second one day, I think he took five wickets, but some of those in-swinging Yorkers were just unplayable. Well, one of the best we've ever seen. One of the best we've ever seen in that, white ball cricket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Adam Zampa continues to, to shine. Four wickets in the, in the last... Uh, one day, uh, turned the game with the ball, continues to get good batsmen out, which is very, very special. So, well done to them. Only thing I would have said is that maybe they need to look at their preparation going before in the lead-up to test, where you go over to a, to a foreign country, different wickets, and you think that you can go into the first test without any practice matches is folly, and it just shows, I think, in their performance at the back end of the uh, tour. Gee, I tell you, Guru... The Australian cricket team, they've been under the microscope on this show, haven't they? But just goes to show, I think, is how how passionate we are about our cricket side. And, you know, we're building in now, all the talk's going to be, we've got the Ashes coming up at the back end of the year, followed by a, a, a 50 over World Cup. So they'll be even under even more scrutiny as they come across basketball, which will be very, very interesting to see how that turns out. And my number one, we spoke about it earlier on, but I can't go past the entrance cricket club. Uh, the dominant cricket performer... Uh, in, the, in the cricket season, won the first great uh, premiership, went through undefeated, the T20, made the final of the one day, won the club championship, had the most dominant player in the competition in Brock Hardy, so I certainly can't go past them as my number one uh, of the top three this week. Yeah, love it. Hey, uh, we were talking about water polo just a few moments ago. The one thing I didn't say with the Europeans compared to the Australians is they're professional leagues. Yeah. We're a bunch of really enthusiastic amateurs who love the game. But over there, there's numerous professional leagues where they'll pack out stadiums. So that's the key. You've got the world's best players playing in some of those European leagues. So over there, you would say that they would have, have soccer or football, as they call it. And then you probably have the water polo probably underneath that. Where we've got football codes that are our major, they've got football, and then water polo is treated yeah, is so, that high. Yeah, and the other thing we need to say, like in the men's game, it's the oldest Olympic team sport. Right. So it's been around for over 100 years in the Olympics. Right. Yeah, whereas the women only came in in the year 2000 where we won. Right. So, yeah, it's got lots of tradition in those European nations. So speaking about the Olympics, though, Steve, is that so Brisbane are going to host the Olympics in 2032. How do you think we're going to go if the lights go out in the Olympic Stadium like they did at the Gabba last night? That was unbelievable, and it's happening cricket. It ha happened in the, the Big Bash, the Brisbane Heat, two years ago, I think they said. 20, oh, 2019, sorry. It went back a bit earlier than that, but and, yeah. And, you know, I was talking to you and Matt back at headquarters down the line that suddenly Melbourne make a late run against Brisbane. I mean, I thought it was all over, and I, I thought they'd actually call the game because... Yeah, it was a bit of a debacle, wasn't it? Yeah, so it was 40, 43 points in front. Uh, uh, Brisbane were over Melbourne and, and dominated the game. 
So there was 12 minutes to go in the game in the, in the final quarter when, when the lights went out. Now, under the AFL rules, they've got 60 minutes to start the game. So they've gone out. I think they went back into the change room. It was 30 minutes before they come back out. So then they got started really effectively two minutes after they decided they were going to get started, straight into it, when the third light tower come on. And the last 12 minutes, I think Brisbane was still in the shed, or still certainly, certainly in the shadows, because the next 12 minutes, or more importantly, the next 10 minutes, Melbourne have kicked five goals to nothing to get the score back to within two goals with two minutes to go. So from what everyone was just going, well, how we, let's just get this 12 minutes over and done with. The last two minutes was, from a Brisbane Lions perspective, We've got to get. We've got to get going. We could lose this game that we should. We, should, we were winning quite comfortably. So, yeah. so they ended up hanging on. And so it sounds like Bulldogs versus the West Tigers exactly. last last Sunday at Belmore Sports Ground. We need to talk about Carlton before the end of the show. Uh, the Cats 0-2, unbelievable. Hey, by the way, the Catch Up podcast comes out later on today, and you can also listen to SEN, your home of sport, via the Apple CarPlay. Simply download the app. I mean, I'm sure that's how you do it. I do as well. So if you've got Apple CarPlay, make sure you listen to the show. Take it with you on the road. Back in a few moments, Steve-O's Sports Person of the Week is coming up next on Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. Welcome back. We're live from PLC, and we've seen a couple of cracking grand finals. The under-16 ladies, what a win it was for Wyong, 8-7. The under-16 boys, Graham Carroll might be able to fill us in, but... Yeah, Woi Woi were leading comfortably, 7-2, and then suddenly there's a penalty that would have levelled things up at 9-all. What a comeback. Oh, yeah, unbelievable. It's uh, a bit of a change of possession there, and then uh, referee got up a call for bloke uh, coming into the water a bit too early, so they gave a five-metre, and the goalie actually got up and saved it. So, yeah, it would have made it a very close game going to the last quarter. Yeah, this is the uh, super coach that we're talking to, the great swimming coach, legendary Graham Carroll. Great to have you back on the show, and... Uh, you've recently been at the New South Wales Championships. Tell us about some of the performances, not only from coast swimmers, but also one of the best swimmers in the world. Oh, Lee, we've got, got the pleasure of watching a world record. You don't see them every day. Kayla McEwen's 200 backstroke, uh, which is amazing swim because she was warming up in our area where we were sitting and her coach walked over and said, just swim it as a number seven. And I said, what's a number seven? So between one and ten, ten being hard, seven being take it easy. So she gets in there and she swims it and breaks the world record by 0.05 or 1.5. And she was shocked at the end of it. And she got out and she said, uh, I didn't even go hard. So looking for Carly McEwen at the World Championships coming up to really smash that world record. Yeah, it was really interesting too because if you watch that swim back, she's against a class field, but she's light years ahead, isn't she? Oh, yeah. When you can get out in front and you know you're out in front, you can actually control what you're doing really well. And uh, just to watch her swim that, that last 50 metres where she went, I think it was the second fastest lap out of the three or four, uh, 31-3-1, and um, particularly just skill and just relaxed swimming. Hey, uh, Jimmy Kosh had a great performance in the 400 metres. He finished on the diet. Yeah, it's great for a local boy that uh, has been training here at Mingara for a while and then headed down to Sydney. And apparently he's heading up to Queensland later on uh, next year. So, um, yeah, a great 400 freestyle. Yeah, he was up against Mac Horton, and is it Elijah Winnington who won that race? Yeah, Elijah Winnington uh, set a phenomenal time, uh, 4.43 or 4.40, sorry, 4.45, I think, was in that. And Joshy, uh, he actually held off Matt Kosh in the heats, uh, but then in the semifinals or the finals, was uh, unlucky to get over the top of him in that last lap. Yeah, Brad Woodward on the podium in numerous races, but there's a young gun on his way through. 
from King Cumber Pacific Dolphins. Yeah, a young guy named Alexander Foreman. Like, he's six foot four and 17 years old and setting the world on fire in backstroke. And you watch him in the next three years go close to doing uh, an Australian team. Could even be on the Australian junior team by the end of these next trials. Hey, Graham. Gary asked me a great question earlier about water polo, about the prototype, what a water polo player looks like. In swimming, it's always traditionally been someone that's pretty tall and lanky with a big wingspan. Oh, yeah, it comes down to different strokes. So your breaststroke are slightly different, a bit more shoulder-ish. Uh, if you look at Adam Peaty, yeah, he's six foot two, six foot three, but he's got shoulders, you know, as big as an elephant. And uh, he's got a lot of power in those. And then you go to Cole Chalmers, who's six foot five, but he'll come up against another guy from America, and uh, he's six foot seven. So it's what you can apply power into the water that is the key element. But there are big boys. What about the uh, Graham Carroll stable here at PLC? Well, we've got a young boy named Jacob Faulkner. He's only uh, 16 years old, and he'll, he's got the next Nationals coming up in four weeks' time. Um, and he, again, a backstroke, a freestyler, and I think we're looking at him developing his skills in the next few years to do something. But he's a very skinny beanpole type of guy, but when he gets the muscle on, he'll get there. Hey, you've got a young boy that we know pretty well, a swimmer with a disability because he's had some problems with his legs. Uh, tell us more. Oh, yeah, the young bloke, Riley Moore, um, played water polo for many, many years and been in the squads. And I said to him uh, one day, see, your legs are funny. You should get looked at uh, physically. And he, he went and got uh, classified. And he came out as an S9 initially. And then they put him in the S10 class. So he represented Australia last year over in Mexico. And um, he did quite well. And we got the World Championship trials for Paralympic athletes coming up at the next championships, which are in April. And uh, he'll go close. He's currently ranked number five in the world for 100 breaststroke. That's pretty good doing one minute 13 without even using your legs. That's almost as fast as what I did when I was an able-bodied way, way, way back in the 70s. Yeah, great to see you, mate. And uh, how awesome that Riley Moore could be off to Paris in 2024. Oh, it'd be unbelievable. Now, the bloke was playing state league water polo level at one stage, and uh, now he's on the verge of making this Australian Paralympic team. And uh, for him to train out of the PLC Aquatic Centre and uh, to live locally, and he goes to all the physios around the area, does a great job. And he actually was here earlier today watching the game. So for him to make that would be a, a real feather in his cap. Yeah, and like me, I'm sure you'll be watching the Australian Surf Life Savings Championships get underway this weekend in Perth. They have the 2K swim tomorrow. Yeah. I dare say we'll have two or three locals on the podium, including Paul Lamont, Hayden Smith. I'd say Amber Stevenson. And I'd say that maybe Stephanie Carey, who's been in outstanding form in the ocean swimming circuit this year. Hey, mate, great to see you. Oh, mate, great to see you. Glad, glad you're here down here at the pool. If you're doing nothing for the next two hours, the men's third grade, ladies' third grade are coming up. Come down and watch a physical game of water polo. It's fantastic. Yeah, and then first grade later in the week where Gosford are looking to retain their titles in both the men's and women's. Hey, uh, time now for this. We've got a roll in the intro. It's our final segment of the day. Here we go. Steve-O's Sportsperson of the Week. Yeah, well, Gaz, you stole my thunder, uh, so I'm going to have an international Sportsperson of the Week and a local Sportsperson of the Week. Now, the international can't go past Matt, Matty Graham. Mogul Matt, Winter Olympics medalist, but in that final round in Kazakhstan, what he's done coming back from the broken collarbone is just incredible. So proud. Uh, like you said, he finished second overall behind Mikhail Kingsbury. So he is the International Sports Person of the Week and did well in the duels too to medal there. The local sports person, we spoke about this little guy earlier in the show, can't go past Huey Vaughan and what he's done at Surfest through to the quarterfinals. He's been the giant killer. 
And who knows? I mean, he's already been tipped to be a future world champion, and he's just 16 years of age. So good luck to Huey in the quarters at Surfest today. Imagine that if he goes up against his brother, maybe in a semi or a final across the weekend. Huey Vaughan, Steve-O Sports Person of the Week. Hey, thanks to Matt Brokenbrow back at headquarters, steering the ship, and to Valentine Holmes here at the pool. We'll catch you next week on Saturdays on the Coast on SEN, your home of sport.